Let's get to it. Well, there we go. Patrick is effervescent as always this morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> too fucking too early. Is it because I'm not there? Is that why? Is it because You're not I'm here? I'm remote. I can see you. <laughs> it is throwing the chemistry off a little bit, I think. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> this is so awkward. <laughs> so now what episode is it? Now we're now it's episode ninety two. Ninety two. Oh, really? you, you, you said that at you said that at the beginning too. You said it was episode ninety two at the I beginning. Said it was ninety two? Yeah. Damn it. Hey, good this morning, everybody. Hey, good morning, everybody. God. <laughs> are we wearing the uh, same clothes as we were last week? Possibly. Mm-hmm. It's a little chilly this morning, actually. I put on a beautiful day. So Eric, why don't you tell us why you're not with us this time? Why are you not in the I same am room? at it's my weird. house in my in my little makeshift drum studio. You can see a symbol back there where I do my online lessons because um, we're going to go see my parents on November 5th mm-hmm. for early Thanksgiving because mom doesn't like the fact. It's taken her 78 years to figure out that Christmas and Thanksgiving are too close together on the calendar and it irks her for some reason. I don't know why. I think she's right to be irked. That is, a, that is silly. We should have Thanksgiving in June. Well, she's Canadian, so usually it's right around uh, um, what we call Columbus Day or Indigenous Peoples Day. Oh, so that's, okay. that's when the Canadian Thanksgiving normally is. And it makes more sense to have it in October, especially a couple of weeks before Halloween. It gives you time to prep for Halloween's becoming a bigger deal these days. But uh, the only time we could figure out that would be a good time to go see them over in Kyle, Texas, which is just south of Austin, was actually uh, the weekend of the 5th. Um, due to gigs that we have and everything else that's going on this month. Um, so I am quarantining mm-hmm. for 10 days um, to make sure that when I go visit them, because they are elderly, they are 81 and 78, respectively, dad and mom, to make sure that I keep them safe. So that's why I'm at home. And you'll see me at home probably the next couple slapper casts or or maybe just this one. If we do the next one on on, uh, yeah. on Friday like that, I'll be, I'll be there for that one. Right, because this one right now, this is probably coming out the week after the election. It's coming out election you, you, day. You, you, those listening at home, know something we don't at the moment. <laughs> Hopefully it's good news. Yeah, break it to us gently. Well, uh, <laughs> this, is, this has but, been a good opportunity for me to refresh my Skype skills because I clearly thought I had, thought I had everything working in it. It wasn't. It's working so, great now. Yeah. That was a that was an interesting weekend of of gigs too. This has been a while now since, but a great turnout at T Bone Tom's, and same thing with the Methodist Church up in Cyprus. What yeah. a what a phenomenal uh, couple of couple of shows. I mean, just uh, people are they're beyond excited to be out, and it's it, it's like not only were they shoved in a room and locked the door, but look, see, you know, they acted like they were, had been restrained the whole time because mm-hmm. they're just losing their minds and really nice to see, really nice to see the reaction. Yeah. That was, that was well beyond my expectations for that gig. And I, I knew nothing about the church ahead of time, but mm-hmm. uh, usually when we're told sound is provided for something that's not at a music venue, even that sometimes it's like, I don't know, we, yeah. but we got there and there was a fellow named Andy Davis with his runs his own, sound company called Andy, Andy audio, Andy audio. And Look he, him up. If you need any yeah. uh, sound he, if, yeah. from, you know, from 500 people to 5,000 people, he's, he can cover it sound and lights yeah. and professional beyond mm-hmm. uh, expertise. He's 
we've talked about the the uh, the wonderful uh, experience of of having a really good, really talented sound engineer working with you, and and uh, he, he's one of those people without a doubt. And I again, I can still count all those people maybe on my maybe two hands, mostly in one hand that I've met throughout throughout our career. Uh, he's, he's, he's well up there. I mean, he was, he was really, really good. Yeah. I said to Eric, when we pulled up, we saw the stage and there's not a cable or a wire or anything on the stage and everything was symmetrical and lined up properly. The, the whole stage looked like it was designed by the ancient Romans (laughs) just to, to, to cables were looked like they all just come out of a box and were just put perfectly on the stage. So we were, we were, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. And everybody in the audience claimed the same. Yeah. Yeah. We got high marks from everybody for sure. And just his personality too, from when you first met him, just super pleasant. And you can, and he kind of puts you at ease. It kind of had that vibe of just like, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And it was, and, and, you know, being able to ask, Hey, can I get a little more bass in this? Can I get a little more guitar? Oh, absolutely. Whatever you need. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you always want to say thank you after you say something like that too. So yeah, definitely, definitely a great guy. Yeah. And, and you know, when you switch the monitors on and you have exactly what you need in the, yeah, he, he just, he, he visually can tell on, on his board where the settings need to be. And, you know, we were, we're, we're, we're easy to work with too. You know, he was delighted when he sees the direct gear and the professional kit and the, you know, the people that roll up with the gear rolling out, you know, no cases and dust on it. And dirt, you know, as I said, you know, the drums, the drums in the back seat and no cases and hardware stands either by themselves or, or in a gym bag. I'm just like, come on, dude. Yeah. 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 It's a two way street and everybody was, everybody was very pleased and set up and playing in no time. Jeff Duncan did a, again, an amazing job. We, mm-hmm. we just, we just love playing with him. He's, every note is there. The harmonies, the harmonies were blowing me away. I'd stop playing a couple of times just to accentuate those, mm-hmm. those, the harmonies, you know, the, the, the three voices that seem to work really well together in, in, in my head anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have to get with him and have him record his parts so I can learn them. Just, yeah, just sing that. Just sing that. Sing it into the phone. I'll record it. You know, sing that part that that yeah, you do on that song or this song. So yeah. I can. Well, we start, if we start doing more three piece stuff, I can kind of figure out what he's doing. Yeah, we have he's that really, from T Bone Tom. He's so got the sound of T Bone Tom's are really good too. So yeah, we have, yeah. I have isolated vocal tracks for him. A lot of different oh, cool. shows. Yeah. He's got such a great ear that he finds those kind of like really in between harmonies. It's not yeah. always just. Well, I'm, I'm going to go higher than Chad. It's sometimes it's in between. It's very. I don't want to say Beatles s because I know how Patrick feels about that, but but. um <laughs> <laughs> but he always finds that extra note that just adds that richness to the, yeah. to the chords that you guys sing. Yeah. yeah. For the record, I do like the Beatles harmonies. I love that. It, it, it seems like that's the, the natural progression of a harmony, the, the way that they do their stuff. The way that Jeff sings a lot of the times is he'll find that harmony. That's not exactly what you would expect it to be. And he'd, he'll, exactly. you know, to, to suit his voice. And he'll be able to slide it right in there. And it's just, that comes with not only having a great ear, but also having a great music teacher and, uh, you know, his ability to jump on the stage with a Irish rock band or a swing band or a Texas country band, or he's able to just fit in and make his space. Exactly. 
Just, He's the king of sliding it in. So hey, you know. yeah. <laughs> what? I'm not getting in the van with him again. I'm talking That's... about a band situation here. What oh, are you talking oh, about? Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things that made that show really fun for for uh, for me, I think, for all of us too, is that we we were on using monitor wedges, the, the ones that Andy had set up for us before we got there, instead of our in ears. Which nothing against the in ears, but when the whole reason why we switched the in ears in the first place it was usually in loud environments where we had a really hard time distinguishing our parts over anything, you know, everything else that's going on and be able to think straight while we're playing there. When you're playing outside and you've got a really good sound engineer and there's no walls, there's no ceiling above you. I think that's, you know, use just using traditional monitor wedges might be the best way for us to, for us to work. You know, that was just, I, I'd forgotten how much I missed just being able to hear the air around me, you know? And surprisingly, I wasn't deaf on the way home. Like normally after a, yeah. Sometimes after a, a, a gig where you, you know, you play with wedges, you're kind of like, you know, a little ringing in the ears. Well, on the way home, just fine. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was good. Yeah. Sign of a good sound man too. I didn't have to have it too cranked up because I could hear from actually both of y'all's monitors. I could still hear sound coming from there as well. So yeah. it worked out well. Yeah. It's a fun yeah, it was, show. It's perfect. I don't know why more people aren't doing stuff like that. Like having a kind of, not necessarily like a drive-in show, but having a space where you yeah. can, have people come and bring their chairs and mm-hmm. have a band and, and, and if there's enough space, you know, space people out and, and even, you know, I, I know they didn't charge anything at that, at, at that show because they just paid us directly. But I mean, you got a parking lot when I do a show, you know? Well, again, we're a lot, a lot of these places aren't lucky enough to have our Texas weather, you know, even, even on a day like today where we're, we, we think it's cold, it's actually not cold and you can do a show outside with ease. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the setup that we had out there was tremendous. Just so much room. Again, there's just not many places with a, the weather and b that size space. I mean, you could have parked, you know, a mile away and, and, and walked over and still had enough room to, yeah. to put 500, six, a thousand people in there without tripping over each other. Yeah. That's a great space. Yeah, there should be more of that. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk to Sterling. and Because I said it too on Sunday, last Sunday, which is a, a month ago now, which you do the math. But uh, we haven't given up on on Patty's Day 2020. So we're going to do it before the year ends. <laughs> Watch out for that. Yeah. It's coming. And none of us burst into flames either. So that was cool. Well, we were far enough away, don't you think? Well, I mean, I did go use the bathroom. Really? <laughs> Yeah, holy water. Well, it's a, it's oh, a Methodist right. church. I mean, that's like that's like Protestant light, so it really doesn't really, doesn't really count. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if if not not when the show comes out, but when we're recording it, normally we'd be in Ireland right now. Ah, oh, that's true. We'd be a few days into our trip. Son of a bitch. So <sighs> yeah, can you oh, put right, me in room, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm People ask us about the Ireland tour all the time, and pretty much every time we're out, it's like, "Hey, you going to Ireland next year?" Like, we fully intend to, <laughs> but uh, it's it's hard to hard to really know what's going to happen at all next year at this point. So, um, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to say, but I think you all know why we can't at the moment. So, hopefully that'll change. I mean, Ireland's still locked down, right there. The, at the moment, right? You can't get just, in or out. Start, just lockdown. Yeah. Just started to, they've got six weeks, so they're going to get right in at the beginning of December. So they're, they're pushing hard to get ahead of this thing again. 
so they can have Christmas. But, you know, I've seen the, you know, the, on the news, the protests for the people that don't want to wear the masks and don't want to do that. You know, it's so, crazy. who knows? It's crazy that that's, that even though I, that seemed to be a distinctly American attitude, the, the anti-maskers things, but they're everywhere. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. I, I, but there's never been to beat a, a dead horse again. Um, there's never been a strategic plan put in place. There's always been, well, yeah, that's what they say. This is what they say. And they say this, and I think this, and my medicine degree over, you know, you don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's, it's perplexing to say the least. Mm. Are, we, are we still going to have Cormac on the show at some point? Yeah. Uh, we should have put it on the calendar and sent it to him to have him for next this Saturday coming, but that Saturday gone that you're hearing now. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> so yeah, he, he says he'll definitely be on it. We need to put it on the calendar, send it to him so he can just block it off. So for those that you don't know, uh, my brother Cormac Devlin is a, a TD in Ireland. So he's in government and he's going to be on the show. We're going to, he doesn't want to talk politics, but we're, we're going to push it out of him. What does TD stand for? something irish <laughs> is it yeah political i mean or like a political like a mayor congressman type of congressman position yeah like, yeah okay. cool um i do have a question from bob this week if you want to okay. talk about bob that Mills. Hello, bob. Yeah. Well, bob the rest came through came through with a question uh, and the question is kind of it's kind of it's kind of perplexing but i'll we can try to explain it and we may have even talked about this in the past i don't know or maybe you already have he writes, musicians in the past have done albums collaborating with the other musicians, each song with a different player. The Blaggers were to make such an album, what musicians would be picked? If to go deeper, what song with what musician? So basically, he's talking about collaborating. Like, if we, if we were going to make a, our next record uh, while, uh, while this one is being mixed and mastered and getting ready to be sent out in time for the holidays and whatnot, mm-hmm. our next record, if we wanted to make it with any musician in the world, who, who could we make it with? Who would we pick? First person that comes to mind for me is Steve Earle. Uh, not only my fan, screaming girl, little teenager fan of Steve Earle's, but he's worked with the Pogues before, and his breadth of musical styles and influences, they just don't begin, they don't end. They're, mm. they're, they're so why And he'd be one of those people that you would just want to put on a record to steer your stuff into a different, you know, a whole new area that you hadn't thought about. I would be really interested to hear your, like just the idea of you two collaborating on a song too. It'd be really interesting. I think, I mean, actually writing together. Nobody likes you two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. You two, the two of you, the two, yes, the yes. two of you, yes. As there a duo, I had to think back what I say. Like, wait, where did you get that from? <laughs> yeah, I just have to. I just have to. Because you've, you've some of the stuff. There's a couple of songs that you've that you're writing that are not going to be on this record. That that, that to me sound distinctly Steve Earle esque. I think I don't know. It'd be really cool to get get them on that stuff. Yeah, I I'd love to say I've never borrowed from Steve Earle, but. That's a lie. <laughs> I just, I, I can't. 
just I, I just can't nail him down on one specific yeah. area. You know, he just he just takes off and goes and it's just brilliant writer. Yeah, it, we don't we haven't often talked about him as much as we've talked about like Elvis and you know Phil Lynott and so forth. But he really is a, a big influence on this band for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And his his songwriting arc is is pretty remarkable. I mean, from when he was the kid with the long hair and the bandana to the older gentleman wearing the tweed jacket and the, you know, the glasses. I mean, I mean, his, his stuff has just kind of run the gamut of a little bit of everything, you know, yeah. murder, murder, drug songs, to ballads, to political stuff, to, I mean, everything in between. Mm-hmm. He's definitely, definitely a, a prolific and a, and a very interesting songwriter. I, w- I wish more people knew, uh, would check him out just because of that. I, I've, yeah. I've, there's person I, that I know who, who just didn't, doesn't like country music and used to get really annoyed whenever Copperhead road would come on because of there, you know, there's a line dance. Most people, even if you don't know, don't know who Steve Verola is, you know, that song and you know, the line, at least you've seen people do the line dance to it. I couldn't tell you how to, line, I don't know how to line dance, but they, they get annoyed because of the line dance aspect of it. It's like, yeah, but have you listened to the, the words of the song? It's such a good I keep, song. I keep saying that every time I played a dance hall and that song would come on during the break and I'm like, these fucking people are not listening to what they, this song is even no about. Idea. All they, they want to do is step and kick. It's like, yeah. it's murder and killing cops and drugs and booze and yeah. Vietnam flashbacks. And it's, it's right. fucked up. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really a deeper song than get out there and, and do the boot scoop boogie. It really is. Right. And it's a great song. I think it's a great song. I think it's well crafted. I think the musicianship on it is fantastic. Yeah. I think it tells a story and, and it, 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 it just shows how, you know, it, it could very well be a true story because of the way it's written and right. the way it's told. It could yeah. be, that could be somebody's family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the way he draws you into that, right. By introduce just, you know, this, the character introduces himself right off the bat. You know, my name's John Lee Pettimore, et cetera. And then you're hearing about his dad and his granddad and it just feels so, like you're there, you know. Yeah, that's like sitting uh, having a conversation. Home, with him. That song "Home to Houston" is kind of the same way. Do you know that song about the guy? It's basically it's he wrote it during the Gulf War, and it basically a, a te- about a Texas guy that was basically hired by Halliburton to drive trucks over in Iraq or wherever it was, okay. and it basically the whole bridge is um he's you know he's driving the big he's driving this big rig because he's hauling. Uh, gasoline or oil or something that from one of the refineries and he's being he's being um, accompanied by a couple guys and some humvees and over the radio um the guy says uh, look out here comes an rpg you know like he's out there risking his life to make a living for his family and the moral of the story is he's like the, the tagline is um if i ever get back to houston again i won't drive a truck anymore it's really cool song we may want to put a link to it uh, maybe on if we can like to a youtube link it's just a again it's a song that tells a story about a just an average guy just trying to get by but the circumstances are completely fucked up yeah shit i'm not even familiar with that one and then yeah it's a- off that record where he did that he wrote that song about the um he wrote he also wrote a song about like a taliban guy like an american guy that became a taliban guy and it raised a lot of hackles on a lot of people because people think steve earl's like you know Good old country Texas yeah. American guy. New. He's not <laughs> no. new, not at all. No. no, he's 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 got something important to say. Usually, when he writes a song, and, yeah. and that particular song, uh, I forget what it's called. Um, I have to have to goggle it and, and give that information to you later. But it's about uh, a guy, you know, being in, in Taliban and uh, maybe regretting his decision. I can't remember how the song goes. Anyway, yeah, yeah. 
I do yeah. recall uh, we were lucky enough to go and see him. We were pretty pretty damn close to front row, and um, uh, we went to see him. I saw that the the song rings a bell. I want to say, but I don't know which records is. I've got a bunch of stuff in there, and not not enough. <laughs> I need to. I need all of it. Um, but yeah, he did. You could hear there was tension when he would do some songs about yeah political leaning. You know his political leaning stuff, and uh, there was some. There was some distress you could feel there was a there was a unnerving in you know in parts of the audience that were not expecting that yeah. from him right that was that was that was pretty uh pretty evident but uh steve earl uh has has captured if if anybody is uh to, in in my estimation you know is if anybody's as close to perfection in their songwriting is Steve or is Steve Earl is that because he, he, he just seems to nail it every time lyrically and musically, he matches them up really well. Mark Knopfler to me does the same thing. He sings and he plays and he writes in the style of his voice. I don't know. I can't yeah. explain that, but that's how I feel about it. But Steve Earl is another one of those guys who, uh, which incidentally, I'd love to hear Steve Earl and Mark Knopfler together. Holy crap. Um, just, yeah. yeah. Just think brothers in arms with, uh, you know, one of his, one of his great, one of Steve Earl's anyway. So, um, seeing him live and, and hearing those songs, you know, done it and his band just tremendous, just uh, flawless, flawless band. And so, so again, you know, yes. In, in, in going back to your point, Chad, that we haven't said enough about Steve Earl. Yeah. There's, there's not enough been said about him. Of course, he, you know, recently, recently suffered the tragic loss of his son. And, uh, and then Billy Joe Schaefer today, uh, uh, just, uh, yeah, just died today. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Today, uh, being Wednesday, October 28th. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you guys knew. So yeah, just all these, all these, incredible writers you know which 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 again is you know is is no consolation now to the family and friends and whatnot fans but uh you know it's gonna bring all these people all their music back to the back to the top you know back to the back into the the, the eye you know into the the uh, the the listener's ear or whatever it's going to be pushed up but um yes uh steve earl is uh He's just—he's one of those people you just come across. You know, he is like a Dylan. He is like a like a Springsteen. He's um, he's one of those people that just crosses so so many so many different genres and uh, just I, I I've made I've started three or four different points and I've lost all <laughs> too too early. <laughs> Maybe we should just schedule this for later. You know, Steve might actually be someone that we could actually we could actually work with. I mean. Maybe somebody that I mean, he obviously he can be like, no, fuck that, I don't want to do that because of whatever. But like a, a collaborative effort on a song, or even having him record a even just a, a verse of a song. Yeah, you know, you know, when Alan did his record, he had Archie Bell come in and sang two lines basically on his record. Obviously, they're friends and they know each other. But mm-hmm. I mean, Steve, I mean, it might cost us a little bit of money, but I mean, if it's worth it to have him on a record, why not ask? Yeah, you, yeah. you could see him enjoying this style of music as well because he's not a he's not a 
he's not a guy that likes to sit in, in between the lines, you know, or right in between the lines or mm-hmm. play with, play within the rules or whatever. He's, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely got a, he's got definitely got a blackguard soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And again, I'm not, I'm not pushing that on him. I'm saying I'm, I'm taking him for us. I'm not pushing it that yeah. I'm taking. So <laughs> it, it makes me think of uh, when we opened for James McMurtry back way back in the early days. And I, I, I wish that we'd been able to play or, or, you know, be on the bill with him again after that. Cause we didn't have a chance to talk to him or meet him. Yeah. But we were, we were doing our set and, uh, I think we were in the middle of bog songs at the time. I, I don't know why I just remember this so distinctly because that, that was kind of a new arrangement at the That's time. That's your thing, Chad. You remember things very distinctly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that that may have been a new, one of our brand new arrangements that we had just done. And we're, we're in the middle of that. And James, who was in the other, this was at the Continental, Continental Club, by the way, in Houston. And he was in the other room, but you know, the back room where the pool tables are. And I see somebody come up on the side of the stage as we're playing and it's, it's James and he's looking at us with a big smile on his face, like going like he just had to come and see, he heard what we're playing. He had to come and watch us for this song. And I remember just being so, that's so cool <laughs> that we actually got his attention and held it. You know, and the only, that, the other time that, that makes me think of that is, 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 uh, God, I can't remember the, the lead singer, the main guy in, in, um, brave combo, Carl, Carl also, Hot was, Carl, yeah, Carl was also very taken with with Blaggers when he we, we played with him twice. Uh, actually, we we opened for him once as Patrick Devlin Band, and then, then again as Blaggers uh, two years that. later. So, yeah, Patrick uh, Devlin Band. Yeah, <laughs> where's that? Where's that T-shirt? I have one. That was the name. But, but when Patrick oh would always God. tell, "What's the name of your band?" Patrick Devlin Band. Hate the name. Changing the name. <laughs> that was part of the name. <laughs> well, we had yeah. There's, there's a long, boring story that goes along with that, but. Yeah, that was a... We've told it. Go back. Short-lived. Episode one of Slabbercast, we talked about that. Was it really? Nice. Yeah. It's the first thing we talked what about. A, what that. a memory, huh? Yeah. Jeez. Have you ever seen James McMurtry, Eric? Yeah, I've actually... Uh, uh, a bunch of times, because um, we used to play... I used to do every Tuesday at the Continental Club in Austin with um, Mike Barfield, and we would close the night, but then once in a while... Um, James would just show up cause he was dating. I think he still is with this girl who was a bartender there at the continental. Cause he would play every Wednesday night, I think. And I remember one time I was across the street in front of the hotel, San Jose unloading my, my hardware box. And he was pulled, he had pulled up behind me to park. And I can't remember if it was a Tuesday night or what the deal was, but I got out of the car and I'm, you know, wrangling the hardware box, which is like wrangling a, an elephant. And he goes, Hey man, you want any help? And I thought that was the coolest thing. That he's like, oh, this James McMurtry asking if he wants to help me get my shit out. I'm like, oh no, I got a James. It's all cool. Um, <laughs> and, cool. And so that was that was a nice memory. But yeah, from living in Austin and either playing before him or after him, certain times I've seen him a bunch of times, and it's he's he's great. I mean, I'm a big fan of his dad's writing anyway. And so yeah. and we were uh, back in New Hampshire when I played with my buddies Morris and Steve. Um, we did a couple, two or three, uh, Jane McMurtry songs in our set just because Morris liked them as a songwriter and he thought he was cool and we liked them. And I remember the very first time I saw James, it was after a gig. I went to the HEB at like two 30 in the morning to buy something to eat snack on. Mm-hmm. And I looked behind me and there's James buying uh, a pack, a, a, a bunch of uh, organic bananas. And I thought that was neat. And I remember going home and like, I think I might have called them both back in New Hampshire at like three in the morning. Like, Jason Murchie was buying 
organic bananas behind me in line. And they thought that was, they thought that was neat. So it's like, he's just one of those guys you just saw around town and he was just the coolest, coolest guy. And his band was awesome. Uh, Speaking of a trio, they were a trio whenever I saw them and they would just lay that shit down. And yeah, he was, he's a great, another, another great guy that we should actually absolutely talk with to do a song together with. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. He'd be super, he'd be super accessible too. I bet to do it and and want to do it. That's what we, that's what we got out of that. I mean, out of that show when we played with them was there's no, there's no ego. There's no, there's just, just no, there's, there's just no, there's no barrier. Again, that would be the same. That's, you know, I, like I, I told my Billy Gibbons story and I told the, you know, I, I would imagine Steve Earl being the same way. There's just, there's no, it, it, as long as you're not a poser, you know, I mean, as long as you're not the, the, yeah, I, 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 maybe they don't, maybe they, they don't even react badly to posers, you know, but it, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, so nice to, to meet somebody like that. Didn't meet him, but again, seeing, seeing, I remember him standing out in front of the, in front of us when we were playing and, and just a, a music fan. Just, you know, uh, you know, and, and be, be, you know, that the fact that he was even paying any attention to what we were doing was, mm-hmm. was, 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 was fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. We, we, we have to write all this crap down because there's, there's so many and there's so much to, there, there's just so much to do. I just, I've got, Chad can see it we're, we're, we're from where we are. I've got two feet of notepads of papers and just stuff that just has to, you know, I'm just slowly peeling peeling it away and you know re rewriting all these ideas from years ago and uh putting them all down and just uh i i'm just i i just can't wait for this shit to be lifted so we can go and do this go do what we were supposed to do yeah that was one of the things that was running through my head to get back to the to talk about revisit the church gig briefly i mean have, having a real audience yeah it was obviously very far away <laughs> but being on a real stage with really great sound and you know not having to care, you know, yeah. no sound problems to worry about just being able to do our thing. And yeah, I miss it. I miss that so much. So what was the second part of, of, of Bob's question again? I forgot. Uh, I think it's kind of along the same lines we're talking about. Just like, uh, like if we were going to collaborate with somebody, I mean, we obviously mentioned Steve, Steve Earl and, and, and Jane Murchie, you know, obviously singer songwriters kind of seem to be uh, a, a nice match, but what, I mean, I know, I know we've talked about, you know, if we could play with anybody, but the reality of it is, I mean, if we wanted to, you know, have another musician play with us at some point on a record, on a record, I mean, who who would we like to have come in and do a solo or yeah, or or you know, just play on a song or whatever, you know? I don't know. I mean, it could be anybody. I mean, there's so many great musicians, you know. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, but because I, I kind of hijacked that one, but I mean, do do you guys have a? Do you guys have? You know, I mean, is anybody else? Uh, keep keeping to the first half of the question. Is there anybody else? Gosh, I mean, there's so many. I mean, I know there's a thousand, but um, well, it's nice. It's nice that we mentioned Steve and James because those are two people that are actually attainable. Attainable. I mean, exactly. We yeah. could actually we could actually work with at some point. Yeah. You know, granted the right introductions and and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, as far as another musician, I mean, it's always interesting to have like another voice like a like a like a piano like a piano thing or or a second guitar just to kind of trade solos or whatever you know sorry patrick um well that's okay i was thinking of of, of real drummers to get <laughs> yeah i know 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it, it's it, it's true. I mean, you know, I, I immediately go to a guitar player slash mandolin player like Steve Earle, you know, that or, you know, or a Knopfler or, a, um, you know, a, uh, you know, the, the, the anyway, jump in because I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm grabbing the reins again. Uh, I don't know. It was with other guitar players, but just somebody who's had also has had a lot of experience writing with different people. The Reeves Cabrels, I think would be really interesting to collaborate yeah. with. Cause he's, he's such a great down to earth guy and he would be somebody we probably, probably could get on the show too. Yeah. Cause you know, he's, he, he wrote with David Bowie for a long time and now he's working with, um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, that guy, the cure. He's in the cure now. Uh, wow. what the hell is that guy's name? The lead singer. The Robert. Cure. Yeah, Smith, Robert Smith. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and also, uh, oh, go on. Uh, yeah. What? Go ahead. I was go ahead. I, I just try, I had to look up the guy's name. I the, the guy that I like, the Dobro player Jerry Douglas would be uh, an amazing uh, addition too. He's he played Dobro in uh, Allison Krauss and Union Station. I mean, just oh. any any and when he did a solo with that group, he did an Irish song. So it's like he would be, you know, he's a Nash, probably a Nashville guy. Yeah. Uh, but and probably very expensive. But I mean, he's just such a great player, and the Dobro is such an interesting. I wouldn't want to hear it all the time, but for uh, for one or two songs, I mean, it might be kind of a cool second yeah. voice to have. Yeah. Well, but look at some, look at some Jerry Douglas. He's he's a mofo. Yeah. Um, Shane, um, you know, uh, Shane Farrell in in uh, in Florida. The um, he's from Manchester, but he. Uh, uh, he played on our record. He, you know, we, we we sent him the tracks, and he played on Wild Rover for us. He put fiddle and mandolin on, and he he just did the he he. Um, I mean, he he's another guy that we're going to get for future. You know, you know, I I think he's going to probably end up leaving the country, but he's he's just such a talent, and his brother Colin Farrell is an amazing. They're 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 multi instrumentalists, but they're. Just, I mean, they're as good as anybody that we've mentioned. I, I kid you not. Playing wise, they're probably, uh, I mean, uh, solo wise, they're probably they're 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 at the very very top tier of of players. Um, right. We've seen them at the Western Irish Festival. We've seen them at. Uh, uh, I, I see them online all the time. They do this stuff online that just just the, the, these daily songs that they're doing, and they do them via. Skype or via what, however they, they, they record them, but just, you cannot believe the abilities, uh, uh, tin whistle, mandolin, uh, fiddle, guitar, uh, just, I, I, every time I see them, I've got something, some new instrument and they're playing it as well as they do their right. main instruments. It's, it, it's sickening really. In fact, yeah. let's take this part out. Cause I <laughs> no, it really is. They're, 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 they're tremendous players. And, Again, being able to to talk to people like that and to have them, you know, play like I, I sent him the tracks. He recorded and sent it right back, and it was just it's as good as any player you're ever going to get. You know, and that's yeah. You know, luckily, lucky yeah, to have that. That. Level, that level of musicianship is always it's depressing for like that much, and then it, the rest of it's awe inspiring. It's just yes. like, oh man, I can, oh my god, did you just hear what he just did? Yeah. You know, so it's just like. Yeah, it's the same way with, with with drummers. You hear drummers that are just like, what, what? You know, they can play anything, any style. All the percussion instruments. It's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. 
that's good too. I mean, it's just like shows you how how in tune they are with their with their abilities and their instrument. Yeah, again, we're mentioning people that that I mean, this should be very telling. We're mentioning people that don't like to sit inside the inside the lines. No, no, no. I'm a country player. That's all I'm going to do. I'm a pop singer. That's all I'm going to. We uh, we the three of us are 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 again. We're not sitting inside the the uh, Doug Stanhope said it. You know, he said, you know, the the Irish rock is like reggae. If you like it, then you you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's true. That's hundred percent true. But our our Irish rock now is twenty thirty percent of what we do, maybe. Uh, yeah, it depends if, on if, the gig. I mean, it depends on if we have a fiddle player, we lean a little bit more. Now it seems like we lean a little bit more to the Irish stuff. If it's just the three of us, we tend to lean a little bit more to the the, the more rocking kind of yeah. low rocking kind of stuff. But the rocks, but then we, we're able to lean into country and do that. We're able to lean yeah. into the the you know the. You know, to, to, I mean, it, it just, it, it's, it, there, there are no limits. And, and that's the nice thing, especially with people that you're talking about. You're not talking about, you know, getting a, uh, and, uh, you know, like a Steve, or no, it's, it's, it's Steve Vai is, he's on another planet. He's on the Frank Zappa planet, you know, obviously for, for, for many reasons. But, you know, I was thinking like, uh, like a Satriani, he could do one thing, one thing only. You know, so, yeah, I'm not a fan. But um, again, you know the, that sitting in the sitting in that genre and being happy and comfortable in there—that's not our. No, that's not. That's never been our. It, it, I didn't say this on the show, but when he said that, that it's 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 it sounds concise and true. For me, it's not really true. Like if you if you like you, you, if you like reggae, you like all reggae. If you like Irish rock, you like all Irish rock. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I like for Irish rock anyway, you know, I like the Pogues and I like Thin Lizzy, but Thin Lizzy to him, I mean, I was thought about saying this to him during the show too. I didn't get around to it, but then if you, if you're not familiar with Thin Lizzy, you probably would sound more like classic rock to you than, yes, than Irish rock, you know, cause they were, they were kind of their own thing. I don't know. It was part of the genre they came from, but ever since the Pogues, I mean, they kind of started this whole new thing and we've got all these other bands. Obviously they were been a huge influence on us, but we've really kind of gone off. I think in our own direction from there, whereas almost every other Irish rock band is still stuck in this Pogues mold. It's, it's, it's Foggy Molly to their credit at the last, at least the last few things I've heard from them. They're, they're, they're kind of branching off, but they started off as basically just a Pogues. Rewriting all those Pogues songs. And then there's the Mahones and, and I don't know that so many of them just sound all the same to me. And they're all kind of doing the same thing where they're dressing like the Pogues used to dress and with the, with the vests and the, the, watch chains hanging down and the caps and the yeah, I was just, I was bow ties the and stuff. Like fucking cap. Yeah. You know, cap that people it's, are. that's, that's great. You know, but it's, 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 let's do something else now. <laughs> yeah. Know? There's yeah. a lot else, a lot of other stuff going on that you don't have to limit yourself to, to, uh, paying tribute to Shane McGowan your whole career, mm-hmm. which is fine. If anybody, anybody to choose to pay tribute to, he's definitely worthy. But um, and Davy Bryan uh, in Florida sent me uh, sent me uh, the clip for the new Pogues. Uh, Johnny Depp produced this new Pogues documentary. Mm. It's coming out very soon. So ooh, yeah, that's nice. uh, we'll have to. Oh, that's right. I think I saw yeah. uh, Kater Reardon uh, mentioning that recently. Yeah, okay. and uh, and Jeff Lynn talk about people that that I'd want to do a record with. Oh, God, I mean, just holy shit. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I. I uh, I've, I've, I've been on the, ever since we talked about the ELO, I've been 
talk, I've been listening to all my, <laughs> oh my God. And the stuff that just makes you, the, the hair stand up on your, on the back of your, you know, your neck, just, whew, yeah, that's a, that's another, that's another, um, uh, I, I just hope that people start, start, if you're in Houston, go to Cactus Records, <laughs> go look at, um, or Six Lagoon, go, lo- go look up these records and just buy these old rock and roll records. I mean, they're just, there, there's so much to say, and there's so much to to to, to break you out of this. You know, like you were saying, the, the listening to the commercials, having to you know being subject to, to those commercials, and hearing that shit that they're playing, that computer generated crap that they're doing, all these all these sounds like the, like, like the Skype ringtone that we we're talking about. You know, there's mm-hmm. you know, it's <laughs> yeah. so bad. I'm 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 a, I'm a proponent. I think I mentioned before. I mean, I, I love I love Quinn and the gang at Cactus. Sig Sig's a good buddy of mine. He sings in my band. I've, I've done a, yeah, a thousand shows with him. So uh, if you're looking for new and used vinyl, mm-hmm. Sig's is the place to go. If you want to get CDs and vinyl and everything else, Cactus, go to both. Why not? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Money. Yeah, like, they're both within. I mean, I always think of Cactus because they've they've been around since I was since since my mom and I first moved into town. <laughs> Yeah. Been, Cactus has been around since since uh, since. And also, kid. Sigs uh, work with Continental, so if you ever need tickets for the Continental, they've got everything you need. I just I just say you know Jeff Lynn, like you said, Jeff Lynn is just such an amazing talent and producer. Although the the only fault I found with Jeff is in the eighties and nineties where he would every record he produced sounded oh Jeff Lynn produced that. There's been a couple of times that I've, I mean, I love Jeff Lynn, but that it, it took me a while. It actually took me a while to kind of grow to appreciate him. Um, early on, when, when like when the when the traveling Wilbury stuff came out, I remember initially just kind of being annoyed at how Jeffy the production was on it. It's like, would you just shut up for a second? And just everything sounded like like ELO. And then uh, when George Harrison's posthumous record came out, Brainwashed was the last his last record. He had told Jeff, who was you know who was going to finish it after he died. It's like I, I don't want this to be overproduced. I want it to be just bare bones, acoustic, you know, just basic stuff, which I had been aching for ever since I heard some of the demos from All Things Must Pass. And Jeff didn't honor George's dying wish. He produced the fuck out of the record, and just did what he wanted to do. Like, God damn it, Jeff! Oh, Jeff! Yeah. Yeah. But having said that, I mean, he, he's, 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 the guy's a genius. You can't, you can't deny that. You know, and I, I've, I've come to, obviously I've come to, I've grown to really love uh, all the traveling Wilbury stuff. And I, I get it now. I understand what they were doing, but I also understand why George wanted to kind of step away from that after a while. Yeah. That's a, a, a band that you just have, you have to hear everything. You have to, you have to know everything back and forth. I just, I couldn't get enough of that. I remember those tours that we listened to that, uh, to to their stuff back to back to back to back, you know, it's just just incredible, incredible, uh, it's just so clever lyrically, musically, you know, yeah. so so great. Yeah, so I'll I'll call Jeff once we get once yeah, we get yeah. done with this shit. Please, fair enough. <laughs> Tell him I said hey. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. He's the only apart from a apart from a Dylan. Yeah, that's right. The only well, and and the drummer. Uh, Jim Jim Keltner. Jim Keltner, yeah. Sideberry, as he insisted on being called. Did you ever meet? Did, well, there we go. I think I asked you that before. You, did you meet Jim Keltner at any of the PASIC stuff? I did. I did. I met him at NAM. Uh, my very first NAM. Uh, it was the end of the day. It was like they close at like five o'clock, like sharp or whatever time. They was like, okay, everybody out. 
and you're you're trying to usher out a hundred thousand you know people it seems like sometimes, and me and my buddy Nick Kafka from Chicago, we were way in the back of the drum room where all the Chinese, so and in the percussion section, like mm-hmm. all the Chinese manufacturers are stuck way in this back corner, and they had like the, just the weirdest craziest stuff you'd ever imagine to 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 hit with a stick, and it was like all this lighted up stuff or whatever. And Jim Keltner was at one of these booths, like trying out a a drum or something like that. We oh, we yeah. stopped. You know, we stopped um, dead in our tracks and we're just like, holy shit, that's Jim Kellner. And I had heard that he was kind of standoffish from other people in the industry. So I didn't want to be a dick, but he would happen to catch my eye. And I just I just kind of waved and said, hey, Mr. Kellner, can I get a picture? Oh, yeah, sure. And so there's a picture of me and him kind of like standing together. I said, thanks a lot. So great. Nice to meet you, and then left because I didn't want to like, take up much of his time or anything like that. So yeah. technically, I met him, but not in a way of like actually talking shop with him. Right, right. If I could find that picture, I'll, I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of a, a funny, like weird. Oh shit! There's Jim. We're trying to trying to leave actually, and it's just like, <laughs> um, oh, there's fucking Jim Kelter right there. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and he looks exactly like you think he'd look. Dark glasses, wearing a wristband. A big black wristband on his arm, whether it's leather or whatever, you know, button down shirt. And that's, that's what it looks like. That's what he wears all the time. Good taste. Cool. See? Exactly. Yeah, he's one of those guys that has, has a very distinctive style, I think. You know, there's, there's certain touches that he, you can just always, always pick out from the way that he plays. He did a really weird record back in the 90s with Charlie Watts, and it was. Like this weird kind of almost like electronica, Patrick's face, this weird kind of electronica record, sort of. And Charlie Watts would play drum set and Jim Keltner would do all the weird sounds because he was really into weird sounds. If you notice that record, um, the Elvis Costello record, Mighty Like a Rose, mm-hmm. there's a couple songs where like the Hurry of Doomsday, you know that song, Chad? Uh, I, rec- the, I remember the, the title. The bug you're taking over. Anyway, all the weird shit that you hear in the background is all like Jim Keltner's programming and stuff like that. Oh, he, cool. He's like, I think he's like, I've had it with drums. I want to try something new. And he would do all this weird programming stuff. And then I forget what that record was called, the Charlie Watts, Jim Keltner record. But it was difficult listening, kind of, sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they named they named all the songs after famous jazz drummers, but none of them were in any way related to anything about that drummer, which is even stranger. That sounds like yeah. a little bit of a money grab. I don't know. It was just weird. It's just yeah. like, oh, cool. It's a song about Elvin Jones, who I really like. And then they would play the Elvin Jones song, and there's nothing on it that sounded like Elvin Jones is playing at all. So, kind of weird. Anyway. Elvis, oh, Costello. El- Elvis Costello is another person that talked about wanting to... Um, <sighs> There's a there's a a CD uh, record called The Long Journey Home, and it's got a bunch of the players on it. And uh, uh, Elvis Costello does a couple of tracks on it, I believe. And one is called um, I think it's Green, White, and Gold. But uh, he played. I think he plays it with the Chieftains. I have to look it up. But tremendous number. A flawless piece of piece of music. And he's he's another one of those guys that just writes. He's a, a lyricist beyond beyond any you know beyond most lyricists anyway. He's just he's a poet, such a phenomenal writer. And then the music that he writes too is so infectious, it's so groovy yet 
complicated, but then it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. He, he's another one of those guys. Just it, it, that that that's a that's a rabbit hole to to, to go down. And just seems to always be working. Always, yeah. always, always be working. So, mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, his his lyrics are word heavy. They're yes. very dense. He's, he's a wordy bitch. He doesn't, he doesn't write any fluff. It's like it's going to be this much stuff I got to talk about in this in this next three minutes or whatever it is, four minutes. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot. Yeah, and poignant though he doesn't he doesn't skimp on the lyrics. He no. doesn't he doesn't poison his lyrics if you know what I mean. <laughs> he doesn't so talk dirty to me, right. huh? What? Who? Yeah, he doesn't talk dirty to me. He doesn't, uh, you know, <laughs> let the cat out of the bag. He doesn't. Uh, no. Every rose does not have its thorn, apparently. Anyway, enough about that. Yeah, I think we got yeah. us an episode. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. I can tell by the. Yeah, the even, clay is even the yeah even the even the computer is going. Hey, I think you guys. <laughs> yeah, little little glitchy. Hey, Eric, will you stay on for a second after we uh, after we finish up? Yeah, and we'll just uh, interrupt this up and then. Okay. Um, I'll get I'll get a stern talking to. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the hazing continues. Mm-hmm. All right. 